is what I'm really passionate about, is having conversations about the future, about policy, about electing people who share our values, about reimagining society so it works for all people. I really like these, these broad, semi-utopian, visionary conversations more than anything else, and everything else um, sort of bogs it down a little bit, but it's worth it because at the end of the day, we're doing stuff that's important. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Oh My Curry Goodness. I'm your host, Hamza Islam. On each episode of this podcast, I talk to Gen Zers who are doing incredible things in their respective fields about their story and how they became the person they are today. When it came to the name of the podcast, Oh My Curry Goodness, I broke it down into two parts. The first part is the Oh My Goodness part, where when we hear stories that are interesting, inspiring, shocking, in any way, we say, Oh My Goodness. Now, curry is more because is, is added because it's my favorite food. As someone who loves South Asian, one of our favorite dishes is curry. I didn't want to name the podcast Oh My Chicken Curry Goodness because that sounded weird. So I just wanted to name it Oh My Curry Goodness. However, I hope that by the end of each episode, you as listeners join me in taking valuable lessons from each guest as we continue to write our own story. Because storytelling is a great way to connect with people in a unique way. And it gives you a sense of hope and belief that regardless of who you are or where you come from or what your age is, that you are capable of doing incredible things. And I hope that the guests that are part of this podcast are able to play a small part in your journey. Now, my guest this week is Sam Weinberg, who is the founder and executive director of Path to Progress, the only progressive think tank run by and for Generation Z. It's always great to see young people, I hate to use the word young people, but let's just say it, young people or Gen Zers involved in the political process and seeing people like Sam try to educate people and, and raise awareness when it comes to political issues is really cool to see. So Sam Weinberg, thank you so much for joining. Oh my curry goodness. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And I have to say, one of the things that I, and I'm sure many of my guests in the past, if there's one thing that I want to really have at some point is that courage or just that ability to overcome fear in any way. And what I mean by that is, especially when it comes to getting involved in the political field, political space, that can be a very scary field to be in because you're talking to people with different viewpoints and sometimes it can get ugly. And you're someone that's willing to fight for people who who you feel like can help the country move forward and whatever that may be. But I wanna take it back in terms of, I wanna focus on you for the time being. I think a lot of activists or, or many people in general, there's always this one, There's you can always look back at certain experiences where you're like, because of this experience, I'm the person that I am today. And I wanna talk about overcoming fear because I feel like, like I said, when it comes to politics, you can easily be in this like, scare, it could be a scary field to be in. So tell me a time where you used to be afraid of something that you're no longer scared of anymore. And it could be anything. It could be simple as something like spiders or just anything in general. Tell me a time where you used to be scared of something and you no longer are and how often you use that experience when tackling challenges that you're facing today? That's a great question. I, I, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind actually is, is media appearances like this one. Um, I first did 
I know this isn't live, but I first did a live um, TV appearance in 2020. I think it was it was just about three and a half years ago. Um, it was on uh, it was on BBC World News, and when I was invited on um, just for a short, really short, like five or six minute segment, it was pretty daunting, uh, but also but also quite exciting. And I think there's there's something inherently scary about newness, about about things that are new that are unexplored and unexperienced. And when I think about about things in my life that have been that have been scary or or fearful or or a bit overwhelming, it's it's things mostly that are new. Um, so like anything, I think it gets easier with time. I think. making sure that you're you know reasonably prepared for things that you're um nervous about or scared of is is reasonable you know for instance like like on that um bbc interview i made sure i had you know bullet points in front of me um that i could glance down at if i needed to i didn't really know their questions in advance so i just had you know sort of like general statements ready in the back of my head um you know here even even talking with you when you sent me um like an outline of our discussion i made a couple bullet points that i'm that i'm looking at right now so it's like um i, I think it i think it makes it a lot easier to be prepared um in terms of overcoming fears of things i think you know what you said about um things happening that make people who they are that also really resonated with me um you know there there are lots of more more typical fears i think that i've experienced throughout my life like I used to, uh, when I was young, I used to have a, a, a fear of heights, a fear of flying. And again, it's the same, it's the same thing, right? You know, it's, you, you overcome it with experience. Um, the more I flew, the more it was fine. The more, the more tall buildings I was in, the more it was, you know, okay. Um, it gets easier with time. Yeah, that's like you, everything you said is so true. Everything that comes with time. And it's funny because one of the things I do want to talk about is what Sam was like before Path to Progress and then what Sam was like after the creation of Path to Progress. But here's the thing. If you're to, I know we're just meeting for the first time virtually, but if you met me in person and you told me we're going to go see spiders for an hour, I would run away as fast as possible because I'm afraid of spiders. However, if there is one thing that I used to be scared of that I I think I've done a good job of overcoming is that fear of talking to people. Because what's funny is, is that I do, I'm pretty sure you and I, I'm pretty sure you have friends, same way I have friends. However, it's, a, it's one of those things where when you meet people for the first time, it can be very scary. It can be nerve wracking because you don't, you've never met this person. You don't know who this person is. But then one thing that's kind of, kind of helped me overcome that fear is knowing that the friends that you have were once strangers. But because you've been able to spend time with them and because of the experience, like you mentioned, it definitely, then it gives you the sense of belief that, oh, you know what? I am able to talk to these people. And why I say that with this podcast, it's helped me in terms of that is because I'm meeting new people every day, whether it's yourself or anyone in the country around the world. So I really do like how you talked about, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to have those feelings of nervousness, tension. However, yes, things do come with time. And it's not something that I think there's a specific deadline. It's one of those things where, and I don't know, maybe, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but it's like, 
and I know you're not a mental health activist, but it's like everyone's journey with overcoming certain fears takes time. It's not like there's a specific deadline. Like Sam, if you're exposing yourself to media, it's not like by this day you have to overcome your fear. It's more of like a personal journey that we can't really like force on, if that makes sense. No, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think overcoming those sorts of issues is is not really something you can quantify, um, but you can tell if you're making progress or not. And I, I like the example you used about you know like different difficult difficult conversations maybe um, where like obviously you're having those difficult conversations because you 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 host a podcast. Um, so no, I, I completely agree. Now you are the executive director and co-founder of Path to Progress, but. One of my favorite advertisements to sometimes watch as someone who's a big Wheel of Fortune fan is that sometimes there'll be ads where they'll show a product and then there's a before using the product and after using the product. So I'm gonna ask you because I, you seem like the type of person that's very outgoing, social. Um, you're not the type of person that likes to give one word answers, which many times throughout this podcast, I've said that that's something that bothers me a lot. As someone who goes to Ohio State, you meet people that just give you one word answers and you're like, wow, I really just wasted my time talking to this person. So tell me a bit about what Sam was like before Path to Progress, like in terms of personality, characteristics, traits, and then what skills or things have you picked up since creating this organization? I mean, I think I'm fundamentally the same person as I was before. There, there are definitely skills and opportunities and... Um, and things like that that I've that I've picked up, but um, I don't think that founding and 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 helping run this organization has, has changed me fundamentally. Um, I will say that I think I've become better at at teamwork, at getting feedback from other people, um, at working cohesively. I've also become a little bit more careful um, and thoughtful about what I what I say and do, having um a, a more or less public platform being a little bit more conscious of of the the effects that that things i say and do can have when they're amplified um not just not that's not to say that i was like thoughtless or careless prior um but having a national platform definitely definitely impacts how you how you think about your your words and actions um when you you know have to you have to anticipate the worst you have to assume that people are going to think the worst of, of what you say um and that's incredibly stressful and daunting but it's also it's also in some ways helpful in, in terms of how you um how i how i conduct myself um there's there's definitely more to it than that i I think that that path to progress has unfortunately taken time away from a lot of the things that I that I otherwise would like to be doing. Um, I don't work, you know, like exhaustive hours. I work probably like thirty or forty hours a week, um, which I think is about the range that pretty much everyone should. Um, you know, at path to progress, we advocate for a four day, thirty two hour work week, and I try to stay true to that um, and leave myself time for. For other things um, that I'm interested in, but yeah, it, it does you know take a toll um, time-wise. I I left college um, early after just three semesters because partially because of the cost that was a big barrier, but also because because um, I just didn't have time with 
college classes and um, and Path to Progress work. And so hopefully at some point, you know, I'll, I'll go back and continue a formal education. But um, for the time being, the the political and policy advocacy has really taken the foreground. The college, uh, the college part is really interesting because like, I mean, I, I told you this before we started recording, I'm a student at college and it's really hard to balance the things that you are very, that you're, you find interest or passion in with schoolwork. And yeah, it can definitely take a, a toll on somebody because it's, it's about how much you care and how much work you're trying to put in because, you know, you are trying to raise awareness about a particular issue. Um, and I will agree with the one thing I, one of the things I, that you said when it came to some of the things that maybe never necessarily did not have, but more so you were more conscientious, conscientious of, if that's the right way of saying it, is, is the, the importance of leading. And I think that's really important because even though I host a podcast, I do have people around me that help me with the podcast and it's taught me how to be patient. It's taught me to be more flexible in a way. And I don't know if that's necessarily leading or teamwork, but I think that even though you have a, you're the founder or the host of a podcast, um, if you have people helping you, it's important to not just be, I don't want to say like, you don't have to be like the boss in the sense, you want to make sure that you're flexible because you are part of something really good. And the last thing you want to do is say something or do something that negatively impacts you. Um, I want to ask you, because it's funny, I, I think I've asked, I, I asked someone by the name of, I had Mariana Picora who worked for yeah. Voters of Tomorrow. And one of the things we talked about was, and maybe this is going off topic, but I think the idea of not understanding your own intentions is like, is really important. So you're saying something because you really believe in it. However, not everyone else thinks the same way. So you might have a belief, but someone might interpret you as like evil or, you know, why is this person believing this because that's not right or I don't agree with this person. Are you okay? And this kind of goes into the idea of having difficult conversations with different people. Are you at peace knowing that when you are speaking about political issues and knowing that you're just trying to give your best version, your honest opinion on things, even though not everyone has the correct interpretation or not everyone understands your personal intention, are you at peace in knowing that sometimes you can be seen as, and I'm not saying it more as like a, like an accusation kind of thing, but more like you have this idea, but you're at peace knowing that not everyone understands the why behind why you believe certain things, if that makes sense. That's really, that's a great question. I, I'm not at peace with that at all. I think, I think I, I guess in some ways I am, in some ways I'm not, I, I'm not, at peace with the idea that people are unreachable or that there are conversations that can't be had. I think that any conversation can be had and any conversation that can be had should be had um, within reason. Um, but yes, at, at the same time, I, I do understand and I am at peace with the fact that not everyone is gonna be able to engage with everything all of the time. Um, that's just sort of an unfortunate reality that we experience in, in a lot of different situations, political and not. Um, people, people are busy. People have different interests, different passions, different topics that they want to discuss that they don't want to discuss. Uh, so, so overall, you know, if if people perceive one thing one way, they're they're going to. That doesn't mean that you know that the that I have to be happy about it. I wanna, yeah. Let's talk about now the the idea of having difficult conversations, and I want to break it down into two parts. 
one more personally, and then one more from a political spectrum. So let's, let's look at you personally, what either it could be one or maybe multiple, it's up to you personally, what were some difficult conversations you had growing up, or even now that at the time you were like, why are we having this conversation? This doesn't make sense. But you're able to look back and go, you know, I hated having these conversations. But looking back, I'm glad that I have I had these conversations because it's helped me think differently or it's kind of shaped me into, again, like that person that we see today. The first thing that comes to mind, I was I was seven years old and my parents got divorced at the same time that our townhouse was foreclosed um, during the Great Recession. And so there were all these conversations happening sort of in tandem about my parents losing their marriage and our family losing our house. Um, both of which at the time as a seven-year-old, I was, you know, not fully cognizant of the reasons or ramifications for either. Um, but in hindsight, it's it's definitely good that those are the things that were talked about openly because they are, you know, big and impactful and and probably to a degree greater than I can recognize um, have, have shaped who I am now. Wow. Um, firstly, I want to say sorry for the things that you experienced. And um, it, it's um, weird. Uh, fine, but thank you. It, it's, it's, it's weird because I actually asked this to someone and it kind of, and again, this is why, even though I've talked about in the past how um, I didn't grow up with that many challenges. I was very fortunate to, the only, to, be, to be honest, the only thing I really worried about was grades because as someone who's South Asian, oh, that's a nightmare comparing people's grades to certain people. And so I used to worry about that. And then now it's like when I meet people like you, it's like, okay, I only see this side because of social media or because of media outlets. But it's nice to be able to see the person and the fact that, yes, there's one side of Sam, but there's also another side of Sam that we probably don't know, but we should because, again, it's that human moment. Um, switching to politics, what was a difficult conversation you had when it came to politics that you may have hated, but you're kind of grateful? And it doesn't matter if that person or group of people agrees with your views or disagree with your views. Um, well, first of all, I, I was growing up very worried about grades as well. Um, so you're, you're definitely not alone there. Um, but I think in terms of politics, I, um, let's see, in, in April, I guess the, it came out publicly in July, but we filmed in April, um, uh, this Gen Z talk show called POVs, um, hosted by, I think, I think she was on your podcast, Sophie Barron, um, uh, I was, was on a panel with with me and uh, I think it was three or four other people, one of whom uh, is a, a, a staunch conservative, far right, Trump supporter. Um, she's now the national spokesperson for uh, Donald Trump's presidential campaign that was just announced the other day. So congratulations to her, I guess. Um, but... Um, but that was a, a very difficult conversation. We were talking about, you know, sort of the the, the meanings of of patriotism and and American Americanness. Uh, the episode came out uh, right around the Fourth of July, and it was it was a very difficult conversation. I actually haven't watched the episode 
um, I don't know, out of a mix of like self-consciousness and just not really wanting to hear what was said. Um, but it, I think overall it was an interesting conversation. I don't know how productive it was. I don't think anyone really changed their minds, unfortunately. Um, but regardless of what your goal is in difficult conversations, I think that at, at the very least you need to understand where the other person's coming from. And if your goal is merely understanding, then that's, then you've got it. If your goal is persuasion, if your goal is discourse, then, then understanding is maybe just the first step. Um, but, but those, those sorts of conversations, I don't necessarily enjoy having them in the moment, but long-term they're, they're good and important and worth having. For sure. And I think that a lot of people may agree with what you're saying, which is that you may not like them because it, it can sometimes test you in a sense, because it's like, this is different from how I usually think, but those conversations at some point are needed because it's about how do we find that, that compromise, wait, is it compromise? Like find that middle, um, or the, find the things that in common to continue going forward. And I actually know which episode you're talking about because I remember watching that. And these conversations are my favorite as a viewer, but I'm sure as a as someone who participated in them, it must be it can be challenging because it's really all about learning about a person's perspective. I don't think that if a person disagrees, it's not because they're good or bad. It's because they see things different from how another person sees things. And so I think it's a it's what you said is really interesting and. Um, I, I love watching these videos just because it's like no one, there's no such thing as a good or bad person. It's just that they see things differently and it can definitely challenge or, or it can definitely challenge you. It can definitely test your patience just because it's some, not something that you're used to. And that's actually, and now when it comes to politics, because you talked about uh, that conservative, a person who's conservative, I think in, in the country we live in today, it feels like there's a good side and a bad side. It's like Star Wars all of a sudden. It's like one person, one group believes that the Democrats are a good side. One person believes the Republicans are a great side. I'm only using Democrat, Republican, although I know there's more layers to it. And so when you're talking to someone who disagrees with you, and I don't know if you're a Democrat or Republican, I, I don't want to make any assumptions, but when you're talking to someone who is different from you, how do you, I guess... I think for a lot of us, when we talk to someone who has a different, who is on a different political spectrum, we confuse likability with respect. So for example, some, I know Ben Shapiro is a very controversial figure, but there are people like a lot, some of my friends who are Democrat don't like Ben Shapiro, but they respect his, his, his way of communicating and his public speaking skills at times. So for you, when you're looking at someone who thinks different from you, what, what do they need? And this is something that I don't think it's just a you thing. I think it's like for a lot of people, when they're talking to someone who has a different viewpoint, what do they need that even though you don't like the way they think because it's different, you still earn their respect at the end of the day, knowing that, okay, I don't like what they think, but I respect that this person has this viewpoint and I'm not going to like bash them just because they think differently. I appreciate you saying that. I, I think it has different levels to it there in terms of respect, because 
there i think there there are some views that are just inherently not respectable um people who delegitimize other people's existences people who deny reality i don't think that's respectable i think we can respect people's rights to have bad views without respecting those bad views themselves and making that distinction is something that's difficult but necessary um but no, I, I like what you said about, about the difference between liking something or someone and respecting something or someone. Because I think some of something that I've that I've really noticed about myself as I've gotten older is is being able to differentiate uh not just between what I like and respect, but between what I like and what I appreciate. I mean, before um before I left college, I was I was majoring in or uh, mainly mainly taking classes related to art history and and I'm, I'm you know I'm a big film buff I like art I like literature and I think one of the the like aha light bulb moments in my appreciation of all of those things was realizing the differences between what I liked and what I appreciated like for instance I don't like Marcel Duchamp's art but I appreciate it. It's groundbreaking, or it was, um, forward-thinking. It you know reflected different societal trends and malaise and cynicism and this sort of oh fuck it post World War One attitude. Um, you know th that's just one example. But I you know there's also obviously things that I like and appreciate, but there are also things that I dislike and appreciate, or that I like but don't really appreciate. That you know things. I think appreciation is is more cerebral, more intentional, and what you like and what you dislike is just sort of based on, you know, not quite preference, but it's it's more like almost predetermined. It's harder to get your finger on it, on the pulse of it, um, and and what you like and what you respect. I think that's a, that's a similar type of dichotomy there. So I, I appreciate you bringing that up, definitely. Yeah, and like like you said, there's a difference between liking something and respecting something. Like you might not like someone who has a political a particular viewpoint on something, but you might appreciate for another trait that they have. Because I'll tell you this, I I know there are a lot of people that I may not like their viewpoints, but I'm definitely impressed by their public speaking or debate skills. Because if you mm -hmm. if someone said Hamza, you're going to debate with so and so about a particular topic. I am not a great public, I'm not a great, well, I love speaking in front of people, but I'm not a great debater. And so being able to learn from people who, even though you may not like their viewpoints, it's always nice to be able to go, okay, I really like the way that they do things, at least how they, they communicate, because debating is a really important skill, especially when it comes to fields like activism or in politics. Now, before we wrap up, I do want to bring all of this together because throughout these difficult conversations, throughout the challenges you've had when it, when it comes to leaving college early to pursue path to progress, and the fact that you are raising awareness about political uh, or about the political field, especially when, when it comes to young people. Again, it goes back to this idea of like, oh, there's so many things that I can't control, can't control. There's a lot of things that can be nerve wracking at times. A lot of people, they're really passionate about something, but there's always this self-doubt, this idea of whether I should continue doing this because there people are saying this, or maybe you just don't feel like you're doing enough. So how do you know 
if you are doing the right thing. Because even though other people may tell you that you're doing good, the only opinion that matters is, or the only thing that matters is yourself and what you say to yourself. And we don't really count ourselves as ourselves because we're too busy experiencing, we're too busy experiencing ourselves. Like no one can really see it. Like we can't see ourselves because we're being ourselves kind of way. So throughout your your journey, getting involved in political activism and with Path to Progress, how do you know if you're doing the right thing, regardless of what other people say? You know, I, I think I have to I have to push back on the premise just a, just a little bit because I do think that there is more that matters than than what we say to ourselves. Um, it, it's definitely important to be self assured and and to to personally feel like we're doing the right thing and and doing what's true to ourselves. But personally, I also really value the input and feedback of of friends and colleagues and acquaintances. Um, I think that the best way to gauge whether actions, uh, both big and small, are, are right or wrong is to think about whether they align with larger values and to have a, a strong sense of your larger values. And so you can, you know, determine whether or not your actions are in line with them, uh, which is which is what I do with, with my values and actions, or at least what I try to do. But, you know, when in doubt, I think that instead of, you know, pontificating too much or overthinking something it's also really helpful just to use friends and and you know whoever people you trust as as a sounding board yeah now that i think about it you're right yeah because i think it's great to be able to remember remind yourself that what you're doing is helpful but it is also important to have friends and other acquaintances so you are totally right i should have noted that um yeah that's on me but I still think, you know, what you said is still true regardless, because uh, there are these people that, yes, there are gonna be people that will not like what you do, but it's also important to be able to get that feedback because there are other people that wanna see you succeed. Um, but I also think that sometimes even when there are those difficult days, it's very hard to keep going. So that's kind of what where I was going through, but where I was going with, but nevertheless, I think what you said is really spot on or is, is also true. and. I should have worded that differently, so I do apologize. Um, <laughs> before my last two questions that I want to talk about, um, let's start with let's start with my favorite one. So you are very passionate about when it comes to political activism. However, just because people are passionate about something, it doesn't mean that their journey is easier. It's just something that's coming from a sem from a sense of a, I want to do something versus uh, I have to do something. However, when you say I want to do things. There are certain things along the way that you have to do because it's part of the job. As someone who's involved with Path to Progress, raising awareness about political about the political field when it comes to young people, what are some things that you don't like about the things you're passionate about, but you have to do because it's what it means to be a part of this organization or in the political field? Oh, that's a great question. I I think the the biggest thing for me is that in politics and in and like policy spaces there are a lot of people with really really strong personalities and i i generally just like i'm totally fine love people with big strong personalities um but often in political spaces there are people who are difficult to deal with who are too type a who are a little bit too driven um i think being driven is admirable but I think there are lots of people in, in political spheres who view 
success and advancement as zero sum as, as you know one person gets it and another doesn't and vice versa um and that can be that can be difficult to deal with sometimes i think i think i would say that people's egos and people put themselves above above policy uh that can be that can be difficult um a lot of people maybe everyone is guilty of it to some extent but it's it's not it's not fun to deal with um I'd also say that just like some of the more nitty gritty day to day things about running a nonprofit are difficult for me. Um, I don't like as much, you know, fundraising. Um, I don't like having to deal with compliance. I don't I like having to deal with some of the more like day to day maintenance related things. What I'm really passionate about is having conversations about the future, about policy, about electing people who share our values about reimagining society so it works for all people i really like these these broad semi-utopian visionary conversations more than anything else and everything else um sort of bogs it down a little bit but it's worth it because at the end of the day we're doing stuff that's important i really appreciate you saying the the importance of having conversations and also those broad topics just because even though people may think it think of it as an easy thing, they're really not. And I've seen those videos and I'm sure you have, we all have, where when one person talks to someone else, if the moment they have a different viewpoint, um, regardless of how small or big the issue is, we just don't wanna have these conversations. Now, the last thing I do wanna talk about is the future. And I wanna break it down into two parts. The first part is for yourself, because you have expectations and knowing that the 2024 election, the presidential election is coming up, and then obviously all the other elections, not just with national, but state and local, you're um, obviously there's what you're hoping, you're hoping that there's certain candidates that you think can help lead the country or state or local levels. You have your expectations. How are you embracing that future, knowing that there may be candidates that you want that may win their races and there are candidates that you want them to win but they end up losing obviously we can't tell what happens in the future but how are you embracing that personally i mean personally i'm, I'm working individually and and in my capacity at path to progress to make sure that we can elect as many young people as possible as many young progressive people as possible uh in 2024 while also you know electing progressives more broadly than that out of that age range. Um, we're really excited about several Gen Z candidates for um, both state and federal offices that, we're, that we've endorsed. Um, Joe Vogel in Maryland 6th, Cheyenne Hunt in California's 45th. Um, I'm particularly excited about Cheyenne Hunt's uh, candidacy. She's just a fantastic candidate, really policy-driven, very innovative, um, incredibly progressive. Um, and then beyond that, we're also going to be focused on, you know, some key Senate races, um, the presidential, obviously, depending on how, you know, the primaries go, it seems like Trump is going to be the Republican nominee and he's going to be the person to beat. Uh, so we're going to be focused on that for sure. Path to Progress has a goal of increasing young people, young people's presence in the political field. Obviously, Absolutely. there's so many things happening. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of races that people are keeping an eye on. When it comes to Path to Progress's vision for 2024, 
knowing that it almost feels like each election or each race is its own battle instead of it's instead of looking at it as a war it's more like those minute small battles how would you how would how would you say how would you path to progress to find success because you know obviously like you said there's your, there's your expectations there are people that you're hoping can be elected in their specific positions path to progress obviously has a goal of bringing of raising awareness when it comes to uh young people in politics what does success look like for path to progress in 2024 we measure success in terms of electoral victories in terms of youth engagement but also in terms of the conversations that we have and those are things that are a little bit more intangible and unquantifiable uh, one of our goals broadly is to shift the Overton window on what conversations are acceptable and what aren't. So thinking in a really future-oriented way about things like a four-day work week, things like um, decriminalization and decarceration, accessible education, um, sustainable economic growth, sustainable development, um, addressing the climate crisis. So it can be hard to measure success. You know, electorally, it's very, very easy. Did you win or lose? Um, but beyond that, even electorally, sometimes it's it's more difficult because a candidate um, might not always be running to win. They can be running to elevate certain issues or to help down ballot candidates. And I think, you know, when we measure success, when we talk about success, it's not really one individual tangible item. Um, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, we want to elect so-and-so. Uh, it, it's more difficult and probably more beneficial long-term to say, we want to be doing consistent work to elevate conversations around X issue or Y issue or or, or whatever. Um, those are the kinds of goals that we set. And even though they're intangible and a little bit hard to, to quantify, I think we think that they're worthwhile. Well, I know that 2024 is still early on, but nevertheless, it's still going to be a very important year, especially in politics. And I'm glad that there are people like you who are trying to raise awareness when it comes to young people and also just getting more young people involved in the political field. Because even though we may be young, we still that doesn't mean that we, we don't have a voice. We do have a voice and we're capable of doing incredible things. So, Sam, I just want to say thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you for not only just being involved in the political field and giving young people that that belief in having a say in politics, but also sharing your story because yes, Path to Progress is, exists and it's an important organization, but what's even more important is the person behind the organization, such as yourself. So thank you for being able to share your story and your experiences. I wish you the best of luck with Path to Progress and yourself personally, and I hope we get to meet in person someday. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add, I'm not the only person behind it. We have a, a great team, um, all of whom I should shout out. But, um, but thank you. I appreciate it. Great being here. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you guys like what you saw, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at The OMCG Podcast for more information on guests, preview clips, and more. Please continue to support this podcast in the future, and I can't wait to see you guys in the next episode.